Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mordcast, part of the CSG and MHS Network. I am, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, this is going to be kind of, a, I would say, a draft preview, but I, you, you know me, I don't, I don't do these things. I learned my lesson from 2015 and me advocating for Mario Hazonia, a guy who clearly was probably was not good enough with enormous red flags that I completely ignored. I would be a terrible GM, is what I'm saying. But what we are going to do today is just kind of talk about the Nuggets trying to move into the first round. There's been multiple reports that the Nuggets have been, including uh, the Denver Post's Mike Singer, um, about the Nuggets trying to move into the first round. Um, some of that was kind of projected when they made that trade in the finals where they got the uh, they got the moved up, basically. They traded uh, uh, a future first to get into... To, basically get a first but potential first for this year like like next year and then uh, uh multiple seconds for this year as we've seen the last two off seasons the second round picks have been flying like you know currency um and that that part has been part of the new nba basically the denver nuggets have been trying to uh, uh get themselves positioned to where they can get these cheaper contracts which um, which is part of, of the way they interpret the, uh, the new CBA to be amenable to lower contracts and big contracts. So it's like the NFL basically, where there's a buyer's big contracts and there's, there's the rest that are fighting for lower contracts and the middle class basically gets squeezed out. Um, the NBA in general, I will say this about every single contract negotiation that they have. Um, they, their aim is always for not the guys earning the most money, but the guys who are earning the middle money. Um, those are the guys that, uh, they feel are the ones that clog up books and stuff like that, which is really weird to me. Consider the, those are the most uh, tradable contracts, but this is really that the NBA's goal. They want big contracts and little contracts. They want, they want there to be no real middle ground, um, placed in there so that, that the middle's going to get squeezed here. Well, that being said, 
the Denver Nuggets uh, made that trade during the finals to position themselves to where they could move into the first round or try to move into the first round for this this year, um, with the goal being obviously more first round contracts, which is, you know, how you supplement your team and all this stuff. Um, some of that is riding the line. Um, when you are in a, um, uh, you are in a window you, in a championship window, you, you need guys who can play now and you need high floor guys. And the Nuggets lucked out with Christian Brown specifically. Um, Peyton Watson is another, I don't include Peyton Watson in this. He is and always was a project that they would, in my view, they wasted a first round pick on even now. Uh, I know people are yelling at their, their, uh, their earphones right now with me, me saying that, but, uh, he was always a long term out there potential guy who was going to take years to develop on a team that didn't have really any room for him to play consistent minutes. Peyton, Peyton Watson is that guy. I feel that that kind of contract is better devoted for a second round pick, but um, the Nuggets moved up into the first round for him. And uh, this obviously put the Nuggets in a position to where they, they and they used their two first round picks last year on Brown and uh, um, Peyton Watson. And they would like to do it again this year. Now, here is where I'll say this. Sometimes it's it's good to take a flyer on a on a potential second round pick. A lot of the second round picks are not necessarily high floor guys, but they're risk guys. Um, but you don't really, since the you know, everything in the second round is non guaranteed. Um, you can you you know you can get these into two rate contracts and all this stuff and you you can let them let them marinate in the G League in order for you to get better development for this sort of thing. This is part this is part of my at least the way I would do it philosophically is that no, philosophically philosophy um, how I would I would. Uh, approach this is that it's probably better to do invest especially if you're approaching the second apron like the nuggets are probably better to invest in two ways um now this is really going to reflect on how if the nuggets are 100 percent confident that they are going to be able to uh uh retain bruce brown they would uh, ideally like to have their bases covered in case Brown decides to get a get paid what he is worth, uh, Bruce Brown is uh, is a guy who, if he hit the open market, would get paid. He's one of those middle guys. He would get paid more than the what definitely right now what the Nuggets can afford. Um, and so there is a decision that it resides completely within Bruce Brown's purview it's whether he accepts his, his uh player option for this uh, next season and then potentially it looks at getting re-signed by the nuggets then or he declines right now and gets paid now um he already won a championship and you know obviously all these things are factors obviously during the parade it was said that uh, one more year all this stuff um as I always say in these things, and other people have said it too, but this has been my philosophy. Everything said when there's the aid of alcohol should be ignored. <laughs> and, then, and the Nuggets, everything the Nuggets said that day should be ignored. Everything. This is kind of like Michael Malone in post-game press conferences where he's just spouting bullshit. You need to just ignore it and concentrate on other things. And I am sure Bruce Brown is under a different sort of uh, mindset as this offseason progresses. What the Nuggets do in this draft is going to 
buttress them as much as possible, at least with their philosophy, is probably going to buttress them as much as possible for the potential um, departure of Bruce Brown. And Mm -hmm. really, that's what it's about. Um, the, The Nuggets kind of are set at other positions. They have long-term contracts for Gordon. Uh, Gordon's got two years left. Uh, MPJ's got three years left. Uh, Jamal's got a decision coming up here. And and uh, uh, Nikola Jokic is wrapped up for this uh, next three, four years. So obviously the core is what it is. Um, and Jamal's going to have to make a decision. He's eligible, I believe, for an extension soon. Um, and that is something to, to think about, but this is right now, the Denver Nuggets are, are pretty much set. They, they got their, they got their group. So what the, the direction they go from here is mostly to supplement what they got and protect themselves from the potential department, protect themselves from the potential departure of Bruce Brown, which is really what this entire offseason is about. Um, forget, forget Jeff Green and forget DeAndre Jordan those guys are, are small contract dudes. And at this point, if Jeff Green resigns, it's going to be at a very small contract. Um, and the same thing with DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan was a locker room guy. He was signed as a locker room guy. He was signed as a as part of this triumvirate with uh, um, Jeff Green and, and Bruce Brown to be those guys who came, you know, met each other in New Jersey or not New Jersey, Brooklyn. They haven't been in New Jersey for over a decade uh, or a decade. Um, so this is a this is just part of this whole ecosystem that the Nuggets are in right now. And to see what they are able to do with that is going to be interesting. Um, the whole the, the, the guard lineup right now is is one of those like they, they, if Bruce Brown leaves they're going to need a guy who's a backup. I don't necessarily believe that Ish Smith is one of those guys you you will be trying to rely on for this sort of thing. Um but in the grand scheme of things it is it is going to be guard regardless I think the Nuggets are going to be looking for a guard. So we will see. Um like I said, I am not the person you need to be looking to for draft analysis that is for other people. Uh that is for other Nuggets media members. I don't have that within my scope of of knowledge. Um so look to them, look to Locked On Nuggets, look to uh Pickaxe and Roll specifically. Um these these other podcasts will have you on, you know, basically lined up there. So, um, try to check those guys out and they'll give you a better idea of what the Nuggets are looking for, for actual prospects and stuff like that. And as of this, you know, you know, the Nuggets, uh, as you know, this is posting on, on uh, Wednesday, so it'll, we'll have one day to see. Um, obviously since I recorded, we, we had the big trade of the, uh, the Nuggets, uh, sending the, um, not the Nuggets. Geez, what am I saying? The, <laughs> this is, it's been, it's been, it's been a rough week. Um, then he had the Sun sending, uh, Chris Paul and Landry Shamit and a bunch of second round picks to the Wizards for, uh, um, Bradley Beal. And Beal is one of those guys that, I don't necessarily think he raises their floor. I don't know if that is the thinking. I'm trying to provide some strategic thinking to something that I don't necessarily agree with. Um, I, I do believe that there is a feeling that uh, even if Chris Paul was healthy, they wouldn't have been able to sustain what it took. So this is basically a a 
a an acknowledgement. As I said in the last uh, in the last podcast, there's two ways you can go with the Denver Nuggets: either try to get bigger, or try to go five out. And it seems to me like the Suns are going the five out approach. They are still in that Nikola Jokic is a bad defender on the perimeter, and we are going to stretch him out and do the 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 what the Clippers do to teams in the playoffs, specifically what they did to the Utah Jazz. So, but what that, as I always said about the five out strategy, that only works if you're able to get rebounds, and it only works if you. Uh, if the person that you're trying to target out wasn't a positive on the offensive end. So it's easier to do with guys like Gobert and Zubats um, and some others because they, they don't provide much offense and they don't do what Njokic does is like create opportunities for others. When you go five out, you are counting on your switchability and all this stuff on the defensive end to mitigate what Jokic does. The problem is Jokic is a one of one and as much as you guard and try to mitigate him, you're either doing two things. You're either counting on him scoring a lot or you're counting on him uh, passing out to people who are going to miss shots. That is kind of what the Heat did. The Heat didn't do the make the Jokic into a scorer thing. I mean, that that that, that whole thing is bullshit anyway, and, and I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that uh, uh, Spolstra kind of tamped that notion down um and then and and quite frankly the game that the the heat won as i explained before they 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 just hit all their shots uh in the fourth quarter specifically and the nuggets lost by three so it's it's not necessarily what you would say a winning formula but what happened in game five is what you could see if there is just an attempt to limit Jokic and count on the shooters missing shots and no one was able to hit a three-point shot in uh in that game in game five and the nuggets still won they won largely due to um uh, a lot of the extra stuff that mpj was doing and i'm going to talk about mpj in the second half of the podcast um mpj was really doing some other things that really make him valuable and really that's not what the heat were counting on uh he and, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second um so the Suns are like, okay, if we have Bradley Beal, we can stretch him out. Here's the thing. Bradley Beal is a mid-range shooter. Devin Booker is a mid-range shooter, and so is Kevin Durant. Um, when you do five out, you're hoping for uh, at least two of those people to be consist more consistent three-point shooters uh, at a greater volume. You're counting on that to be a thing, and you're also counting on the offense being so good that the defense you'll figure it out. Kind of what the way the Nuggets, the way the Nuggets did it a little this year, although I think the Nuggets were a better defensive team than than they either played or got credit for during the regular season. So um, there is where the Suns are. They are an example of a team that did the op, that did the rather than trying to get big, they went small. Okay, then, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how other teams try to counter the Denver Nuggets. There are some teams that will try to get bigger. Um, there are teams that, I mean, look, let's face it, every single team, except for the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Nuggets were bigger than and uh, basically bullied. Um, they bullied the Suns, they bullied the Lakers, and the Lakers were a bigger team than uh, the, the Suns were, and the, and the Nuggets uh, just just got every rebound and in when you're in sitting because of how big gordon is and how big mpj is and how you know it's just it's 
it's sometimes just size matters and you know not not to make a not to make a joke here but sometimes it does so the denver nuggets uh were able to as i discussed in the last podcast were able to be just bigger and get every rebound and that really kind of put some teams in crisis so the nuggets um are going this is the first thing that the suns did, did the first uh, move that we've seen and they'll probably and I'm, I'm can almost guarantee you sometime and may not even be in this offseason sometime during this year they're going to trade deandre Aiden. um not because they don't value him it's because they don't value him as much as he values what he can do and uh that is something that you're never going to be able to reconcile I don't ever think that that he was the first pick in the draft and, and rightfully he he behaves like one um but the suns need a guy who's going to be a dirty work guy and um simply put Aiton wants to be more than that he wants to be a focal point and that's just never going to happen on a team with kevin booker devin booker and kevin durant and uh, now bradley beal so Anyway, the Den- the Denver Nuggets are faced with this. This is the sons of the first team that are going to they're making the moves to counter the Denver Nuggets, uh, and we shall see how uh, each of these teams kind of adjust to this new reality of the Denver Nuggets being a good team. Um, so on the other side of the break, I'm going to talk about Michael Porter Jr. He is one of those pieces that the Nuggets have, and I'm going to talk about the dichotomy and uneasiness between Michael Porter Jr. needing and wanting to be a star, and how the Nuggets need him to be accepting of being a third or fourth banana. Uh, but first, I want to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi, beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of Dairy Block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. they got a location in Fort Collins, one in uh, Denver, and one in Sonoma County. Those is the where these grapes are uh, made into wine. Uh, they got all, all kinds of reds and whites and all this, all this that are made from Sonoma County in California. They bring them over here to Denver, but they also got partnerships with Western Slope wineries and some Eastern Slope wineries, and they are really are, especially the one in Denver, is really a true representation of what Denver has to offer for wine. All really good stuff. I would try the the Cabernet is good, and I think they got the, some bottles in that in there, and they've got uh, uh, it doesn't seem like the Pinot is available right now, but they got uh, Merlot, uh, Malbecs. Uh, they got all examples of, you know, got Syrahs and Cabernet Francs and all this stuff that you can try if you're into reds. They got Rieslings from Western Slope of Colorado, which are always really good. And they also have, uh, you know, Gewurztraminers and all these whites that uh, people tend to like. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. You could make the argument that not a single player on the Denver Nuggets sacrificed as much as Michael Porter Jr. That's not to make him a martyr, but it's to say that um, if you go to potential and slash role, there is a gap. The role Michael Porter Jr. played, and especially evolved through the playoffs, was to be a guy who was just getting the getting the extras, um, and sometimes that happens. And he had a great playoffs up until the finals where he really struggled uh, until game. And he still struggled shooting in game five, but he did a bunch of other stuff. Right. And I think that when we look at MPJ, we need to kind of understand how much through um, moving aside his injuries. 
okay, which are legitimate and real and all this stuff. In his healthy years, his role is not what, definitely not what he envisioned it being. And I think that in terms of sacrifice, there's no player who sacrificed more. Aaron Gordon, people will point to and they say, well, it's not what he was doing in Orlando. This is very true. But Aaron Gordon, I don't think was ever really comfortable with what he was forced into in Orlando. Orlando needed him to be a superstar and a, a, a one of those guys. And, and, and as I discussed before in uh, previous podcasts, even the Nuggets knew that uh, Gordon was just a great glue guy, a guy who could bring a team together and play some great defense when needed. He is he is that kind of guy, which are sorry about that, which are uh, really essential and very valuable in the NBA. MPJ is different. MPJ is a guy who has the talent to be a superstar. Whether he turns into that or not is different. I don't. I don't. I don't know whether it'll happen or not due to his injuries. Uh, and I think that is going to be the number one factor with MPJ going forward is whether his injuries will be the deciding factor of him being able to become what he thinks of himself, right? And the the reason I bring this up is that the Nuggets are eventually going to have to make a decision. And it's not this year, maybe not even next year, but there will be have to be made a decision about how they're able to adjust a roster and maximize uh, uh, the role, the 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 potential and of what they do, and I wonder how long. And just for me personally, I wonder how long MPJ will be willing to take such a backseat as he's been doing. A guy who really, until the injuries were happening, would have gone at the top rungs of the twenty eighteen draft. He would have been in the Luka Doncic slash Trey Young area. And instead, he has, uh, through injury and uh, basically only playing two full years, um, he has kind of struggled with um, that. But I think at the same time, he's adapted his game. MPJ is one of those players that it is hard to... It's hard to see project into the future too far. I guess is the best way I'm putting it. Mike wants to be a star, and I'll be honest with you: will he ever be one on the Denver Nuggets? Will will it will what the Nuggets do afford MPJ Mike the the possibility of being that guy, uh, specifically with Jamal and uh, Jokic on the roster? There's only so much ball to go around, right? And it's interesting. If you listen to Bill Simmons' podcast, he always refers to Aaron Gordon as the Nuggets' third best player. And obviously, that is kind of a backhand at uh, Michael Porter Jr. MPJ, through the year, was the Nuggets' third best player. And at some times, he was their second best player as, as Jamal tried to round himself back. What has always frustrated me about the MPJ discourse has been the, the lack of acknowledgement of the fact that the guy's gone through three back surgeries. It has been really weird. I mean, what Jamal went through pales, I'm sorry, in comparison to going through three back surgeries, which are career ending for most people, particularly if you manifest itself with a guy who's having to wear a brace in order to do what he's doing. Now, some of that is like, look, that limits you, right? I think when we, we really 
focus down onto it. Some of it is Mike's going to have to make a decision about where he sees himself in the future, and the Nuggets are going to have to make a decision about where they see Mike and how those goals meet in the end. Because I, I think they're okay right now, and I'm not projecting any sort of uh, badness, but I think it is a tension beneath the surface that will have to be addressed eventually. The winning the championship uh, sufficiently kicked the can down the road. The Nuggets, the Nuggets don't have to deal with that this offseason. They don't have to worry about making this decision. The, the decision is how to supplement this team this year um, with the second apron looming and people watching how the Phoenix Suns are blowing past the second apron and not caring that that exists. Um, some decisions will probably have to be made within the next two, three years to see where this, where this roster stands. Um, and I'm, I'm, my, my question is where, where does MPJ fit in this, this picture? Um, I, if I was a Nuggets fan, I wouldn't focus too much on his, uh, finals because before that Mike was playing great. Um, and he has done things during this this playoff run where you're like an eye opening stuff, and and quite frankly, the uh, uh, I think he had what was that game against the Lakers? He had six assists, and then in Game Five against the uh, in the Heat in the finals, he he had three assists and three big three big assists, uh, and the behind the back through the legs basket and all this stuff. I mean, this, he was doing stuff that he wasn't doing before. Let's just put it to you that way. Some of that is back induced. Some of that is what his role is. Um, you know, Mike, Mike's shot was off and he, in two, two games in these finals, he was benched in the fourth quarter. Um, and to his credit, he took that and he just plowed through. You know, the best players are mentally tough enough to not worry about that sort of thing. Um, because uh, the Nuggets, I'm telling you this 100%, the Nuggets don't win that game if the, if MPJ doesn't have that monster third quarter. And when I say monster third quarter, he didn't score a ton, but he was doing everything in that third quarter uh, in game five. And it really was the reason the Nuggets ended up winning that game. And I think that I think that when we, when we boil it down and we really think about how how the Nuggets got to where they are, it was the sum of all the parts. And I'm happy with the way Mike has sacrificed and the way he has. I I, I hate the term accepting your role because it's so demeaning um, to a player. It's just being excelling at what he does within the limited scope that's afforded to him. I know that sounds like corporate speak, but that really was, I hate the accepting your role thing. It's so like condescending, patting someone on their, on the head. Oh, you just accepted your role. Don't, don't say that to an NBA player. Um, I think that Mike's revelation. And I think, I think when we look at game five, game five is the instructive one for through that entire playoff experience. Someone who struggled for four games, and really, while still struggling to shoot, did other stuff and, sh and un unlocked some things that we hadn't seen. And I think that if we if we concentrate on that, we will see how the Nuggets can hit a different level next year, even with Jamal being fully healthy and with Mike having another full season. 
I can see how the Nuggets will hit their stride and hit a different level than they are right now. Um, and it's really going to depend on MPJ. The reason I'm bringing this, all this up is that Mike wants to be a star. And while he will never be that one in Denver, it's going to be something that how the Nuggets balance Mike wanting to be a star with trying to get him to be a third or fourth banana on a team and having being able to cut that balance there and find out how they can harness that and how Mike can harness that himself until other decisions are made in the future and hopefully long in the future because Mike only this was this last year was the first year of his extension so um we'll see i i'm i'm excited to see how the nuggets proceed and uh, once again we already talked about the draft and um we'll see how the nuggets supplement themselves here because with a free agent class this year um and free agency is coming up real shortly after this um the free agent class this year is not tremendous um you know, Kyle Kuzma declined his uh, player option, so he will be on the market. Um, the, you know, it's just not the biggest quality. We have a, we have a decision coming up on Chris Depp's Porzingis and things like that. Things that aren't really in the Nuggets uh, ball. I mean, they, they really aren't looking at players like that. Um, but we'll see because I, I fully anticipate the Denver Nuggets to be oh, here's the, like Tim Connolly used to say, we're always aggressive. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think that aggressiveness is going to benefit the Nuggets this year. I think patience will benefit the Nuggets this year. Um, because there will be some players who see the Denver Nuggets and go like, I want to be part of that. I want to be on a team with Nikola Jokic. And um, sometimes, particularly when you have championship windows uh, like the Nuggets are in right now, after all, you're already having won one. Sometimes teams in championship windows are able to get players you don't expect because they want to be part of this. You know, obviously the people call it gravy training and stuff like that, but usually the gravy trainers are the ones that get bought out after the, after the trade deadline. So this is, this is going to be interesting to see how the, how the Nuggets approach this. I fully expect them to, to try to get into the first round. Um, that doesn't mean they'll be successful, but they'll try and uh, we'll see. And I think I think this is going to be an interesting thing. Is this this is one of Nuggets fans? This is this is interesting to look at an off season where you're not really thinking about trying to constantly upgrade, and you're thinking about trying to stay on top. And this is really new for all of us here, so uh, it's a different feeling. It's a different kind of confidence with it. So I I hope everyone is really enjoying. Uh, this and they're enjoying the the experience of being part of a of a team that won a championship and is just trying to stay on the mountaintop. Which uh, I would rather be us than other people. I would rather be us than the Phoenix Suns, to be quite honest with you. So, anyway, uh, thank you all for joining me on the latest more cast. I'm going to be back on Friday with a uh, a wrap up of the draft. Um, I don't expect Earth's earth to be moved here but you never know uh we may have some things to talk about with uh, other trades that happen we'll see what happens with the second and third pick this year but you never know all right thank you all for joining me at ladies more cast i'm gonna be back on friday with another episode goodbye
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.